video was a little longer than I thought. <laughs> uh, good to see everybody today. Happy Mother's Day. And as Ashley said, we're all going to be in here uh, together. Okay, Katie Ann says there's a backup plan if it gets too loud. So what's, what's going to be the pull switch for if that happens? Okay, <laughs> so there's an emergency kill switch, apparently, <laughs> if needed. So, and Katie Ann said that's to your discretion. Those are her words, not mine. So I'll leave that up to your interpretation. <laughs> um, but we, we are glad that you're, you're here today. Uh, and so that video that we played that I uh, chose for this morning, I, I chose for a couple of reasons. And, and so maybe you didn't relate to the beginning of that video that said, I, I can't feel your presence today, you feel distant, all those types of things. Uh, maybe that's not where you are this morning, but maybe it is. Uh, and, and I think that connects with where we are today for a couple of reasons. One, today is Mother's Day. And so maybe you are here today to be here with mom on Mother's Day, and, and you're someone for whom you don't really feel the presence of God, God feels distance, but you're here today for mom. And so if that's the case, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, or maybe for you, Mother's Day is, is a time of, of grief, of difficulty, of sorrow, of, of regret, of pain. Uh, and th- there are many reasons why that may be true. And if I tried to list them all, I'd leave something out. Uh, but I just want to say this morning that if, if today is a day of rejoicing for you, then I hope that today uh, and your experience here gives you energy and, and strength and, and you're rejuvenated by your time here. If today is a day of, of mourning, of grief, of sadness, of pain for you, then I hope that you find comfort in, in our worship this morning uh, and comfort in the story of someone like Jonah who continually has ups and downs and questions and runs and comes back throughout his faith journey. Uh, so welcome wherever you fall in that this morning. Uh, that video also, I think, is, is sort of an encapsulation of this prayer that we're going to look at from Jonah today. We're continuing in our, our story of Jonah that we began last week, and so uh, I won't do a full recap of last week. Uh, Jason Martin has been doing great work on getting our podcast, sermon podcast, up and running and current, and so if you missed last week and want to go back and catch up, you can listen to it there. Uh, but basically, Jonah is a story about a prophet who who, who runs away and continually runs. Um, it's a very uh, outlandish story in many ways, but also a very relatable one, which we're going to come back to in a minute. Lots of different ways to interpret or read Jonah, but the message is about this gracious and merciful God who continually pursues his people. Uh, and so we're going to continue with that story uh, this morning. Uh, to get into that, uh, I'm wondering this morning, have you ever said something and you said it and immediately just wanted to, to take the words back? Like you could see the words coming out or like, that's not what I intended. That didn't come out the right way. I didn't mean to say that out loud. That's going to get misinterpreted. Whatever it is that you can almost see and feel the words coming out and you just want to pull them right back in. Uh, most of us have probably said something like that to our moms before. <laughs> and we thought, nope, that was a bad decision. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have brought that up. Shouldn't have said that. Uh, one time when I was in youth ministry, I took my youth group to Enchanted Rock. Who's been to Enchanted Rock? Anybody been to Enchanted Rock before? This is a picture of Enchanted Rock. Enchanted Rock is a huge limestone dome in central Texas. And uh, so this kind of gives you a nice pretty picture of it. But if we go to this next picture, this kind of shows you, uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, a little 
bit of a, a better vantage point of the slope that is existent on this rock from the top as you go down. And it's limestone. So there are parts of it that are very slick. And so you're going down or up a, a and in some cases, pretty sloped, domed rock that is pretty slick. So the day that I happened to be taking my youth group uh, to Enchanted Rock, it was supposed to storm that afternoon. And so we get to Enchanted Rock, uh, and the lady at the, at the office tells us, it's supposed to storm uh, later today. You'll probably want to make sure that you're down off the top of the rock before it starts raining, because smooth sloped limestone gets very slick when it's wet. So we're like, all right, we're going to get down before it starts raining. So we, we climb up it. Everything's going well. Our teens are playing at the top of the rock. We see this, the clouds start to roll in. So we think, all right, we better get down, and we better get down quickly because it, it seems to be coming in pretty fast. So we start to go down on a pretty, slow, pretty sloped part the, around the backside of where we came up. It was much more sloped than where we went up. And as we're going down, I thought pretty obviously, jokingly said, Hey, guys, we should race. Not the right thing to say going down limestone. Uh, I wonder at what point Jonah regretted saying, guys, you should throw me overboard. Like, was there a moment as Jonah is going over the rails of the boat where he thought, there might have been a different way to handle this problem, uh, maybe I could have prayed for forgiveness on the boat. As far as we know, Jonah is the only person on the boat in chapter 1 who doesn't pray. Everyone else prays. Jonah doesn't. Jonah's just like, just throw me over. Let's just get this over with. Uh, and so maybe as he's going over the railing, he thinks, oh, I shouldn't have done that. There's probably a better way to handle this situation. Uh, so maybe you've been there before where you think, man, I shouldn't have, have said that. On the other hand, we've probably also all been in a situation where something came up and we simply did not know what to say. Something came up that we weren't prepared for, we weren't trained for this. Uh, no one ever told me how to react here. This just happened unexpectedly, and I don't even know what to say in this moment. Which brings me back to Enchanted Rock. So I tell our group, let's race. Everybody, I thought, knew it was a joke. One girl, I think, also knew it was a joke, but she decided she would carry the joke a little too far and starts running down this slope. Uh, and she wasn't full sprinting, but we're going down slope to limestone. It was fast enough. And so I'm watching her in horror, because none of us can do anything. I'm about 30 feet away from her at this point. She's picking up speed pretty quick. <laughs> and I'm watching, like, I, I have no idea what to say or what to do. In retrospect, I wish I had had the, the ability, the wisdom of the moment to say, like, fall on your backside or something, just fall backwards, better to slide down on your, on your bottom than what she was doing. So she finally hits a rock, goes head over heels a couple of times, uh, lands, and we immediately knew this, this probably isn't good. And so I got to take my first trip to an ER as a youth minister. Uh, luckily, she escaped with, quote unquote, just a broken arm. But it was the only time I'd ever seen an injury like that. And like, we all came up to her like, yep, that's, that's definitely broken. <laughs> we we got to go. Uh, so I got to go to the Fredericksburg ER, where apparently they get a lot of Enchanted Rock accidents <laughs> um, at that ER. I, I didn't know what to say, and in that moment, I just kind of froze. And so there are moments like that that we have where we say, I, I wasn't prepared for this. I don't know what to do. So Jonah gets thrown overboard. Maybe he regrets that. Maybe he doesn't. 
Now he's sinking in the water and he gets swallowed by a fish. If there's ever a, I wasn't prepared for this moment, (laughs) it's probably feeling like you were drowning in a raging storm and then being swallowed by a fish. What what happens from here? (laughs) I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go from here. What do you do once you're swallowed up by a fish? Uh, Now, before we get a little further into this, I do want to say that this language, uh, Jonah in many ways, is sort of a metaphor for Israel as a whole and even humanity as a whole. And so this language of being swallowed up was was a metaphor that was familiar to the Israelite people uh, for people who were rebellious against God, people who had turned away from God. Uh, so, for instance, the, the prophet Hosea uh, says that Israel uh, will be swallowed up, that Israel as, as a people, as they turn from God, that Israel is going to be swallowed up. Uh, Jeremiah also says in reference to Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of Babylon, uh, Jeremiah compares Nebuchadnezzar to a serpent. He says, like a serpent, he has swallowed us and then has spewed us out. Uh, very similar imagery to here to what happens with, with Jonah. And so this is sort of the embodiment of things that, that, that prophets have talked about throughout the Israelites' history of being swallowed up and then eventually spewed out. But Jonah doesn't know yet that he's going to be spewed out or vomited out. And so now he's in the belly of a fish. And what in the world do you say from the belly of a fish? What in the world do you do when you're in the belly of a fish? This, this probably didn't come up in prophet training school, right? That if you get swallowed, here's kind of steps one, two, or three. No, this is new territory for Jonah. And so what do you say? What do you do now? And so with that in mind, this is how chapter two of Jonah begins. We're going to be in Jonah two today if you want to turn there with us. This is how chapter two begins. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. This is going to be our primary thought this morning. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. One of the things that I really love about the story of Jonah is that it is often at the same time both completely outlandish and completely relatable. Uh, So on the one hand, even Jonah himself, you've got this frustratingly flawed prophet who continually makes mistakes, and we just think, man, this guy still doesn't get it, and he's just frustrating, and he may even make you angry if you read the story. Uh, But then on the other hand, he's he's completely relatable. And we recognize, once we read him, that, that he's sort of just holding a mirror up to our own angry, selfish, rebellious tendencies that exist within us as people. So it's completely outlandish on one hand and and also at the same time completely relatable. And then we come to this sentence, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. And on the one hand, this is completely outlandish because I don't like to make absolute statements that that kind of require some assumptions to be made, but I feel like I can say with 100% certainty today, none of us have ever been swallowed by a fish and lived, right? I'm going to guess that's true, (laughs) Uh, if that's not true of you, then, then we need to be sharing your story as part of this, this series. That would be very helpful. But other than that, I'm going to guess this is the case. This is completely ridiculous, right? That someone is swallowed by a fish and, and lives through it. And yet, on the other hand, I think most of us have spent time in the belly of a fish. Uh, most of us have spent time in darkness 
and despair and hopelessness. Most of us have been in a situation where it didn't seem like there was an easy way out and it didn't seem like there were any good options for us. Most of us have been in situations where it felt like all we could see is darkness and and the world is just closing in around us and getting tighter and tighter and tighter and and all we can do is curl up and, and wait. We've all been in situations where we were angry at the world, maybe even angry at God. Maybe even you've been to where you were just like, I'm ready to give up. And so on the one hand, none of us have ever been in the belly of a fish. But on the other hand, we've all been in the belly of a fish. And so how do you respond when you're in the belly of the fish? What do you do? What do you say when you're in the belly of the fish? Uh, Throughout this narrative so far, I mentioned last week that throughout chapter 1, there's this language of Jonah going down. I mentioned that last week. I never came back to to kind of the significance of that. But in chapter 1, you've got Jonah going down into Joppa. Then he goes down into a ship, and then he goes down into the bottom of the ship. Three times, there's this progressive nature of, of Jonah going down. And so now Jonah's descent continues in chapter 2 as he goes down into the water and then he goes down into the belly of a fish. This is a story of, of Jonah's descent, of Jonah's fall, and now he gets to rock bottom. And so what happens when you hit rock bottom? What happens when you're in the belly of a fish? What happens when you're surrounded by darkness and out of options? And chapter 2 of this story begins, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Uh, We're going to look at this prayer this morning, uh, because I I think there's a lot for us to take from it. But I do want to begin by saying, uh, as I said last week, um, there are a lot of questions that we can ask that that this story itself invites us to ask of, of Jonah the person, of the narrative, all that stuff. And there are some questions that this prayer itself invites. Um... Especially if you look at the rest of the book, you can kind of question Jonah's sincerity. Uh, Is this really a change of heart moment for Jonah? Uh, Or is he just looking for the easiest way out of the belly of a fish, right? Is he just like, God, get me out of here and I'll I'll, I'll serve you forever if you just get me out of here, right? We've all heard those types of prayers, right? If you just get me out of this situation, I'll be good from now on. And then sometimes that doesn't last. Uh, You can question some of the things about his prayer, uh, but... I've been kind of hard on Jonah in other parts of this, and we'll be hard on him later in the series as well. So I want to give him credit this morning for the fact that when he is in the belly of the fish, he turns to God, he turns to prayer. And he's got this prayer that I think there's a lot that we can take from it. Uh, Even the very beginning of it kind of fits with this idea of of praying from the belly of the fish. So Jonah's prayer or or, or his psalm, it's, it's structured very much like a psalm as we're going to look at in just a minute. But the beginning of his prayer says this, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. So it's this recognition that that I'm in distress, I have nowhere to go, and and I'm calling out to God, and he has answered me. Uh, Maybe you can relate to Jonah that maybe your most meaningful prayer experience has been in a moment of distress. Maybe your first prayer experience was in a moment of distress. Uh, Maybe you're in a moment of distress right now, and you've turned everywhere else except for crying out to God. And Jonah says, in my uh, moment of distress, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. From the belly, out of the belly of Sheol, your your version may may say Sheol, which basically means the realm of the dead, I cried, and you heard my voice. 
already there's this imagery of, of pain, of brokenness, and yet of realizing that when I call out to God, he has answered and heard my cry. And the rest of the prayer uh, kind of takes us through that, and, and Jonah's kind of navigating of that. So we have to give him credit for the fact that when he hits rock bottom, prayer is what comes out. Uh, but more than that, what I want us to think about with Jonah today is that when Jonah hits rock bottom, not only is prayer what comes out, but Scripture is what comes out through his prayer. Uh, and so we're going to talk about the significance of that in just a minute. But first of all, uh, I want to try to bring out uh, what, what I mean here, because almost all of Jonah's prayer is taken directly from other parts of, of what we would know as the Old Testament, uh, or what the Israelites would see as their Scriptures, uh, almost all of it is, is traced directly back to something else in, in the Israelite text. And so in order to kind of bring that out, I've got a couple of helpers who are going to help me out this morning. So uh, Zeke and Regan, if y'all want to come up here. Uh, Zeke and Regan are going to walk us through this prayer and I read through this prayer for us. And what they're going to do, uh, Zeke is going to read Jonah's, uh, at least the first part of Jonah's prayer. Uh, interspersed with that, as he's going through that, Regan is going to read the, the parts of Psalm, uh, the Psalms that Jonah's wording, wording is taken from. And what I think you'll see is that there are a lot of similarities between what Jonah prays and the Psalms that Jonah would have known uh, and, and had kind of internalized. There's a lot of similarity between those, and we can see where Jonah is pulling some of the, this language. Uh, so I want you to listen to this prayer uh, interspersed with then the, the Psalms that has very similar language. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into, into his ears. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. I said I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. In my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight. You have heard me cry for mercy when I called you to help. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. The cords of death entangled, entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come up to the depths of the water. The flood, floods engulf me. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. You, Lord, brought me from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long, long ago. All right. Thank you all very much. Um. It sounds almost as if you're reading the same thing from different versions, right? Uh, that when Jonah is in the belly of the fish, uh, as, as Zeke and, and Regan did a great job of, of helping us with and, and showing us, he's basically pray, praying Scripture. 
Uh, all of that comes from, from Psalms. Uh, and, and for a, a Jewish person, especially a Jewish, uh, an Israelite man and prophet, uh, the, the Psalter, the, the collection of Psalms, would have been something that he knew very well, had memorized, and were very much a part of him. And so when he's stuck in the belly of the fish, it's these Psalms that are coming back out, and you can kind of hear the slight difference in wording that this is, this is Jonah piecing together different parts of different Psalms in his own language and with a little bit of his own take on it, and, and piecing together this psalm, this prayer, this poem to God that communicates what he is going through in the belly of a fish. And I think this is incredibly uh, important for us to see because there are going to be times in our life where I am in the belly of the fish and I may not know the words to pray on my own. There are going to be times in my life where I simply do not have words in order to express what I'm going through. Maybe that's because mentally I'm, I'm just, I'm exhausted and, and the words aren't coming and, and I don't know what it is that I should pray. Maybe you've been in a, in a situation where you're just so emotionally spent that it's like I, I can't even bring myself to think of anything else. What do we do in those moments? For Jonah, because... Scripture, because these prayers are within his heart, within his mind, within his soul, that he has internalized these, he's able to draw on his knowledge of, of the Psalms and, and connect that to his experience that he's going through. But in order to do that, he has to know these things. They have to be already within him. Uh, Jonah's got a lot of time in, in the belly of the fish, but for a number of reasons, he's not able to Google on his iPhone good prayers to pray from the belly of a fish, right? Like, this isn't time to start looking stuff up. And I think sometimes we can almost become uh, crippled by the sheer number of resources that we have at our disposal. If you're going through a, a tough situation, you can go home today and Google uh, what would be good scriptures for me to read in light of this? I'm going through this. Where should I turn in scripture? Uh, I'm struggling with this. Where should I go? Your Bible may even have an index like that in the back, kind of an index of topics. Uh, if you need help with this, go here, blah, 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 blah. But sometimes when you're in the belly of a fish, it's too late to ask Siri, where should I turn in scripture? <laughs> you, you can't Google that anymore. You've got to go with what you know. And when Jonah is stuck in the belly of the fish, Scripture is what he knows. And so Scripture is what he goes with. And he's able to, to construct this beautiful poem, this beautiful prayer that communicates what it is that he's going through and what he wants to say to God. Uh, sometimes in those moments, borrowing the words from others uh, expresses what we're dealing with better than anything we can ourselves. I think this is part of the reason why a lot of times music is very impactful to us. Maybe there's a worship song that's really impactful to you. Maybe there's a song that, that when you come here on certain Sundays, you're really hoping Chris chooses that one for us to sing that morning because, man, I really need to hear these words today. These words would be impactful for me today. Uh, another area where this is coming to me more and more to me is, is in something like liturgical prayer. That's something that if you grew up in a tradition like me, uh, was very foreign to us. And, and we thought was, uh, was almost kind of like a cheat code for prayer because it's not something, it, it, they, they, were, they aren't my original words. I'm not praying for the heart. Why would, I, why would I pray someone else's words? 
And what I'm coming to see more and more of is the value of, of taking words that others have crafted and, and have, uh, have been vetted, sometimes even over generations, words that give meaning to things that I may be going through, words that help me when I don't know what to pray, uh, I, can, I can pray these words, insert my emotions and thoughts and feelings in those words. Even things like we do on Sunday morning have helped me appreciate that more um, as, we, uh, do, as we pray the Lord's Prayer every Sunday and as we pray our prayer of confession as we'll do in just a couple of minutes together. And the, the power of, of repeating those words Sunday after Sunday after Sunday has. And that there's value in having these types of things, whether it's worship music whether it's prayers that you know and you pray repeatedly, uh, or whether it's internalizing Scripture. There's power in that, so that when we are in these situations where I don't know what to pray or I don't know how to move forward, we've got this, this bank of information within us where I can say, okay, in my distress, I called out to you, God, and, and you heard me. I know that people have said that in the past, and so I believe that I can say and pray it now. I know, God, that others in the past have said they felt like they were sinking down to, to the depths without hope, and, and, the, and the, the mountains were closing in on them, and, and things were starting to wrap themselves around their neck. And, and God, I, I feel that right now. I'm, I'm drawing on their words because I feel that now, and that's what I am experiencing. And, and I don't know any better way to express that to you than, than pulling from this that I know from my history and from my story. I think this is the idea that, that God has as he passes on his, his word to us as people, going all the way back to Deuteronomy. So the last series that we did uh, as a church, we went through the greatest command that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, where we have what we call the greatest command. And right after that command, God says this in Deuteronomy. Uh, he instructs them with these words, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and you, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, keep these things before you at all times so that they, they become part of who you are and make their way to your heart so that these things are with you always. Because what he says right after this is, he says, there's going to come a time when you're going to come into a land where there are going to be houses that you didn't build, vineyards that you didn't plant. Uh, everything is going to be provided there for you, and you're going to be tempted to forget who brought you out of slavery. And so if you don't have these things in your heart, you're going to forget all that and, and turn away. And so the same could be said in, in times of, of great luxury and prosperity as could be said from the belly of a fish. If these are things that I don't have ingrained within me, I may forget who it is that is the provider of all these things if I don't have God's word within me. Uh, other prophets, Jeremiah the prophet prophesies in the Old Testament. He says of God that, uh, that there is a time coming when I'm going to establish a new covenant with my people and my law will be written on their hearts and I will dwell within them. This idea that God's word isn't contained to tablets of stone, that God's presence isn't contained to an ark in, in, in the camp, that God is, is within us and his word is within us. This is the idea God has had for us as his people. That we are people who embody his law and his word. We are people who, who have God's heart, God's word, God's message within us at all times. 
Paul at one point says, let the message of Christ dwell within you. So this is our call as believers. Uh, And if there's an encouragement that we can take from Jonah's story, I think it is that from the belly of the fish, Jonah prays. So maybe this morning you, you find yourself in the belly of a fish. Maybe you find yourself in darkness. Um, and maybe you need to be encouraged with something. And I, I, I hope you hear this prayer as encouragement. Uh, that it's possible even from a place of, of darkness and despair, even if you feel like God has brought this on you, there's a place to pray and cry out. Because notice in this prayer, uh, one of the kind of critiques of it is that Jonah places the blame on God. <laughs> He says, your waves are coming over me. You have cast me down into the depths. Well, it's Jonah's fault that he's here, you know, if you really want to. He's, he's the one who's made the decisions to get here. You can say God had a hand in this, but, but Jonah's the one who's made the poor decisions. But Jonah says, nope, this is on you, God. So maybe that's where you are this morning, thinking that all this stuff has happened in my life. God's at fault for it. Maybe the first thing you can do is just cry out to God and say, God, I don't know why all this is happening, but it's hard, and I don't know where to go from here. Uh, or maybe you're in a position today um, where, where you're, you're feeling good. Uh, you're, you're feeling like, hey, things are going well. I don't really have a need for all that right now. Then that's what the words in Deuteronomy were for, to say, wait, you've, you've got to have these things with you so that whenever anything comes up that would be tempted to make you turn away from it, you remember, no, God is the one who's delivered me. It's because of God's love and God's care and God's provision that I am here. And so may we as believers in Christ be people who are striving to have his word and his message and his love and his grace and his mercy embodied and indwelled within us so that we are ready to face trials, that we are ready to face difficulties, we are ready to face victories with the full assurance of God's grace and who he is and that we can have language to turn to in each of those moments to say and to be ready to pray and to call out to God and to respond in faith to whatever situation we may find ourselves in this more, uh, in our lives today. Uh, we're going to come around the table now and share in communion as we remember Jesus through whom we have the hope and the promise of this new covenant in which God's law is written on our hearts in which the Spirit indwells those who, who believe in Him and who cry out to Him and who believe um, in, in Jesus as their Messiah and Savior and Lord. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to share in the communion meal this morning. Uh, if, if you are at a place in your life where you're ready to make that turn and, and say, I'm, I'm ready to, to make this turn out of darkness, as, as Jonah talks about, and, and turn back towards God's holy temple, if that's you this morning, then, then we'd love to know that. We'd love for you to share that with us today, share it with someone in your family or someone you trust. Whatever that means for you, whether it means just renewed devotion to God, whether it means putting Christ on in baptism, whatever that means to you, um, if if that's where you are this morning, I hope you consider uh, those types of of decisions um, and choices as we sing and as we join around the table together this morning. Uh, But as we sing, I'll invite uh, Chris and and the band back up here. Uh, May we remember Christ and his sacrifice and the gift that is available to us through him. Uh, And may we always appreciate the opportunity we have to have the message and the peace of Christ dwell within us. May that be something we take seriously as we strive uh, to have God's word uh, and to have prayers within us so that we can be ready to respond to any situation in prayer. And so we'll sing together and then share in communion uh, together after that. So would you stand as we continue to lift our hearts and voices together in song?
Oh 
standing as we pray our prayer of confession together, and I'll pray the parts on top in white, and together we'll pray the parts in yellow. Our Father, we confess to each other and to you, our Creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable, or pass of self-centeredness. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, to be peacemakers here and now. Amen. You may be seated. 